Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In July 2018, a horrifying video began to spread online. On a dusty path, somewhere in sub-Saharan Africa, a group of gun-wielding men in camouflage fatigues are frog-marching two terrified-looking women down the road, slapping them and pushing them as they go. One woman tries to whisper to a young girl she's holding by the hand. The other woman carries a baby strapped to her back with a shawl. The video plays on. The women and the young girl are forced to the floor and blindfolded. The baby remains on the woman's back. Then three men draw their weapons and shoot all four of them dead. It's a sickening sight and one that's not easy to forget. But where had the video come from? Who were the women? And who were their killers? Those were the questions Aliam Leroy wanted to find out. I'm Maeve McLennigan. This is The Tip-Off. My name is Aliam Leroy. I'm an open source um, investigator. Aliam works for BBC Africa and has a very particular set of skills. He's something of an expert in open source investigations using information already published in maps, databases, or other places online to get to the crux of a question. When he arrived in at work at the BBC offices one morning, soon after the video of these awful killings was published, his colleagues had a challenge for him. So normally I walk into the office, open my computer, look at Twitter, that's the first thing I would do and see what's coming from Africa on the day. But for this one, I, I just got into the office and before I sat down, there's someone from uh, Focus on Africa, which is a program at the BBC that came to me and said, hey, have you seen this video coming out of, or we don't know where, but allegedly Cameroon? Uh, and can you verify before the end of the day? <laughs> I thought, okay, let's, let's have a look. And as I started to watch the video, I said, okay, well, I'll try my best. But yeah, it turned out to be much longer the investigation than just a day to verify. The BBC team produced a report on the video anyway, but it was couched in caveats. They had no idea when it was from, who the people were, or where it was. There were rumours going around that it could be Mali, or Cameroon, but no one was sure. That could have been it. The BBC Africa team had plenty of other things to be getting on with. The day after the video appeared, the Cameroonian government came out with a statement saying it definitely wasn't filmed in their country that any suggestion that it was and that official soldiers were involved was, quote, fake news. 
But after watching the horrific video of the killing of these unarmed women and children over and over again, Aliam just couldn't let it go. The video is really one of the worst video I had to watch and others are saying the same within the open source community of the journalists. That's really horrible, the crime um, that's being shown those two women and those two two children, especially you go one part with the one of the, the child is, I don't know, he's probably two or three years old, and even younger, I, I don't know, but looks into the camera before being killed. So the, it really sticks to the brain. And so I couldn't and other, the same other in the open source community were tweeting a lot. And, and we could see from that that we couldn't get it go from the video because of the crime. He decided he was going to make it his mission to find out everything he could. And there were others that seemed to feel the same. Aliam's Twitter feed was alight with people sharing information, comparing theories. They banded together and started a group in a direct message thread on Twitter. Around 15 people, experts some of them in open source investigations from all across the world, determined to do what they could to bring these killers to justice. The first thing this group wanted to do was find out where this video had been shot. But where do you start with that? To the untrained eye, there's very little to go on in the film. A dusty path with barely any buildings around, a wide pale sky. But Aliam had spotted a few things right away. You start looking at crews and that you see in the video and that you can hear also. But you see soldiers walking down in military uniform, in a certain type of camouflage, which might be specific to a country, to a region. Uh, you hear French in the video, uh, which first of all, obviously um, reduced sort of area of research to francophone African countries. Okay, that's something. And I managed to find the first time the video was posted on the 10th of July on Facebook. And there, under the post, people were publishing comments. And that's really useful because it could be wrong as well. Some people are wrong and say, and say things that are totally off, but you've got interesting clues in the comments that can help you. So there's some clues there. The suggestion that this was Cameroon. But... That's a country twice the size of the UK. How do you narrow it down? There were physical clues in the video. In the background, behind the soldiers and the young women, you can see the jagged edge of a mountain range. If Aliam and the group could find that, then they'd be closer to working out where the killings happened. So they got to work, clicking open Google Earth, looking for mountain ranges in Cameroon, and then zooming down to street-level view to try and match the jagged edge on the video to what they were seeing there. We drew the mountain range and tried to see if you find it for quite a day. So we're just spending hours and hours in front of Google's trying to match, but proved to be useless. We couldn't, we couldn't find it. As we kept going and as we kept reaching out to people, we had more tip-off coming in. Uh, so actually the tip-off that led us to the right location was part of a couple, I think it was probably three or four. Uh, people saying it took place near this town, near this town. So we could then, that's good because then you've got uh, a location you can zoom in and try to see if you find the mountain range around this location. Uh, and one of the sources was actually right because when they say it's actually uh, someone coming from Cameroon, who um, I can't give more details about, about the source for, for his security, but it's someone coming from Cameroon who um, my colleague was in touch uh, with. And we're all in touch with different sources. And he said, have you looked at the area near the town called Zelevet in the far north of Cameroon? And when we zoom in uh, within, I think, a day or even less couple of hours, we found a mountain range that was quite similar to the one we could see in the video. He stared at his screen. There it was, the same jagged mountain edge on Google Earth as they'd seen in the video. 
that found it. Some are saying sometimes that when you find something in open source, it's almost like um, you get that kick almost like if you've been taking cocaine or something like that because there's, you suddenly get a lot of adrenaline and you feel really good because it's like you've been, as you're yeah, you saying, you spend like hours and hours and hours in front of your screen and you just at some point you're like, okay, I'm going to give up. But the team needed more. The mountain was one thing. Then they could use a building seen in the video and the trees and the paths to pinpoint on Google Earth exactly where the spot was that the killings had happened. Every single building and every single tree in the video was matched to the correct one on the satellite imagery. And because they aligned perfectly, you can be sure that there's no other spots, spot or location on Earth with that perfect match, which is how you can be 100% sure. But it can also tell much more than that. Those physical clues could also tell them when it happened. How? Find out more after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Aliam and a group of online volunteer investigators are digging into the mystery of how two women and two children came to be executed in cold blood by men who looked like they could be army officials. It had been several days since the video of the killings had started circulating, and the group were making headway, often working long into the night. They were active all the time. I was still freelancing for the BBC, so I had other trainings at the same time. And it was sometimes frustrating because you'll be like, go on a plane to go do a training somewhere, and then arrive, and those guys would have moved already so much, and you're like, oh, I wish I could take part as well. I want to be with the team working, obviously. Alian was meant to be working on other projects at the BBC, but he kept finding himself coming back to that video. I was telling my, my editors, you know, there's this video I'm trying to verify. And two of my editors were saying, you'll never find it. There's no way you find it. So they, they were joking about it, but they let me work on it. We were working on something else at the same time, but they let me, whenever I wanted to dive in into the investigation, they, they, on that case, they let me work on it. And so I was doing that at home as well and spending most of my time on, on that one, even though I was pretending to my editors I was working on other things <laughs> so they wouldn't bother me. <laughs> 
What he and the other investigators in the Twitter DM group were trying to do now was work out when the killings had taken place. But there was no timestamp on the video, no calendars or clocks in view. So the answer would lie elsewhere. It came from the satellite images of the area. Using those, the team could look at that same patch of land over different time periods. Over time, the Earth changes, buildings change, infrastructure change, buildings get destroyed or they get built. Um, There are a lot of changes that you can try to identify in order to assess the time. And so for this case, we use Google Earth satellite imagery uh, and digital globe satellite imagery, which is higher resolution as as Google Earth. And we try to compare. We saw certain buildings in in the video. And then we're trying to look at different dates going back in time or moving forward in time, whether those buildings were present or not. Flicking back and forward on the satellite images, Aliam could see subtle differences in the landscape, like the thin walls built around the edge of a building. In the early photos, they weren't there, and then suddenly, in November 2014, they appeared. So the fact those same walls could be seen in the video of the killing, well, that meant that the video had to have been made after that date. And then there is another building that was there in 2014, was there in 2015 on satellite imagery and that we could see on the video. But by January 2016 had been destroyed. And because we have been on the video, that gives us a general range of November 2014 to January 2016 as the possible dates using satellite imagery. And then another thing that the satellite imagery gave us is obviously you got two seasons in the far north of Cameroon. You've got the wet season and the hot dry season. In the wet season, you got it's, everything is green. So you see on satellite imagery, it's all green. Uh, but in the video, we could see it's very dry. And there is even a path uh, that you see at the, somewhere in the video that only shows during uh, the hot dry season, uh, which takes place between January and May of the year. And so using all those elements, we could zoom in on a specific period and be sure about uh, that the incident took place between January and May 2015. From those clues in the video, they'd worked out a five-month window when the killings must have taken place. But wait, there's more. The people in the video cast long shadows on the ground, like sundials. Now knowing what year it was, and the latitude and longitude of the location, Aliam could input all that data into a program called SunCalc. Hit enter. And that gave us the time frame of uh, end of March to beginning of April, and that's how precise you can be. Okay, so they know where the killings took place, and they know that they happened around March or April 2015. But the video had not been posted online until mid-2018. And there were still questions haunting Aliam. Who were those men? The ones who had pulled out their guns and fired so callously at those women and children? Well, again, there was a clue in the video. One of the men in Aliam's online detective group on Twitter used to work in the Australian military. And he recognised one of the guns the men used right away. It was an unusual model, a Zestava M21, an automatic rifle, not unlike an AK-47. We thought, okay, that's that's interesting, but we need to prove that it's a gun that's, like it's not present in other African countries because maybe that gun is used, I don't know, in Nigeria, and then that that could be harder. But we looked at it at open source evidence and... The only country that bought a lot of Zastava M21 was Cameroon. You know, that was textual evidence, but we could confirm that by looking on Facebook at different units 
of the Cameroonian army, especially the, the sort of special forces or soldiers fighting in the far north, they all had Zastava M21. And then we looked at other military as well to be sure that Cameroonian soldiers and the Cameroonian army was the only one in sub-Sahara using the Zastava M21. So it was looking more and more like the men in the video were part of the Cameroonian army. But the government's communication minister had rejected that idea. He said the colour of the fatigues the men were wearing in the video was completely wrong. That the Cameroonian army doesn't wear those kind of clothing, so it couldn't be them. Yet again, the investigative team proved him wrong. They had set up a YouTube account and were watching anything and everything they could on armed groups in the north of Cameroon. And then YouTube's algorithm did the rest. A suggested video popped up at the side of the screen. A news report from Channel 4 News. We're on our way towards the border with Nigeria, speeding along in a Cameroonian military convoy. The villages are ever more remote. The land parched and rocky. We're driving through territory Boko Haram wants to occupy, past people they want to rule. The troops are here for our protection, because in Boko Haram's eyes, foreigners are valuable commodities for kidnap. We're going to a remote outpost where there was fighting this very morning. And that was really, really lucky, but it's a nice technique as well in order to get more content, just using YouTube to your own advantage. And then we could again apply geolocation to the video, contact even the reporter and get more information. In that report, filmed at the army compound post, less than a kilometre from the location of the killings, army personnel wore the same kind of camouflage and carried those Zastava M21 guns. What's more, Aliam and his colleagues had been able to make out the names of some of the men with the guns in the video. They shout to one another, goad each other on. The team managed to find two of their Facebook pages and worked with sources to confirm it was the same men as in the video. They'd done incredible work, but it wasn't just information that this online team were sharing with each other in this Twitter private message group. They were supporting each other too. And that's really important in open source journalism, in journalism in general, the vicarious trauma of seeing that video and how that affected us. And that was good also to see that, you know, it wasn't about all showing off and we're strong and, and you know, we can watch that. But because we had to see the video 300 times, then we started talking about how it affected us personally. And it's a nice defense mechanism also to keep forward. So it was amazing to have this team, but then the team that you don't have in the office. Like I would walk in the office and I would be on my own technically working on this, but then I would be at the same time with 14 people, uh, in, some in the Netherlands, some in the US, all over the world working on this case together, which is really, really motivating. Yeah, it was really hard to, to watch. And also the fact that Sometimes you see content and you just see it once and then it goes out of your mind. But with this one, you know, we, we all probably watch the video more than 100 times in order to pick all the details. So you watch it over and over again. And because we're so taken by the, by the case, sometimes it was a bit unhealthy whereby some of us will go home. And normally that's take, you shouldn't do that. Go home and, and, you know, in your bedroom, start watching the video because then you bring that horrible thing into your personal life. And so that's where I think some of us started to talk about techniques we could put in place in order to protect ourselves. But it's really important because in journalism, um, obviously already there's been some talk about and some studies about war journalism and for war reporters, but vicarious trauma isn't talked or discussed as much, but it could take a, a big toll. 
So we're weeks into the investigation now, and the team are piecing together more and more information. Many of them want to hurry up and publish already, but the editors at the BBC are pushing back, wanting more and more details, eager to ensure everything is triple-checked. But then, out of nowhere, the Cameroonian government put out a statement, admitting for the first time that, yes, the men in the video are army officials, and that they've been arrested. Aliam was stopped in his tracks. Could it really be true that they'd been brought to justice? Did this mean there was no point in publishing? We thought they can't just get away with saying it's fake news and then changing side and being, OK, well, you know, we've opened an investigation and that's it. So we thought it's really important. The public knows that you've been denying this at the beginning and that we can prove that you were wrong. And also the Facebook accounts were still active even after the government claimed that they were arrested. So we thought, mm, did they re-arrest them? Did they re- are they retrying them? Um, and the government would not comment on it, uh, apart from saying we've, we have an investigation. They wouldn't give more details. So we thought it's very possible that they've done nothing and this is just a communication technique in order to say they've, they've acted on it. So we need to publish the information. And it's in the public interest anyway. After nearly a month of running at the investigation, double and triple checking the details, the BBC were ready to publish. But Aliam had one major frustration. Despite everyone's best efforts, they'd not been able to find anything about the women and children murdered in the video. There were names published on Facebook about the women saying the names of the women are X and X. And we couldn't verify anything about the women or the two young children themselves, where they were from what they were doing here. The soldiers claimed they belonged to Boko Haram in the video, but we couldn't find anything. And that was something that was really frustrating as well, because often you find more actually about the victims and it's harder to find the perpetrators. But for this case, we found the perpetrators straight away or quite quickly, but never were able to get anything on, on the women, more than those names that we couldn't verify and therefore couldn't publish. They laid out all the details they did have to the Cameroonian government, who just reiterated that there was an investigation going on. And the BBC decided to produce a video, not just about the findings, but also laying out how they had done this incredible investigation. So it was Aliam found himself working late into the night, the evening before publication. Just confirming a few things and trying to see if we can add more. The story was finally done and he went to bed. Obviously missed my alarm and ended up waking up at 11. And by that time I had already like been sure already quite a lot and we're at this stage already shocked or how far it was going and during the day it kept it kept exploding and people picking up. Let's hope it, it does well for the memories of those two women and two young children. These women and children are being led to their deaths. The soldiers accuse them of belonging to the jihadist group Boko Haram. In the final scene of this video, too graphic to show here, they're blindfolded, forced to the ground and shot at close range 22 times. The video was viewed more than 15 million times. The original tweet about the story from the BBC got more than 50,000 retweets. The story was picked up by media all over the world. And many powerful people noticed it too. Later, the US military withdrew $17 million in security aid to Cameroon, citing escalating violence and increasing human rights violations. It also struck a chord closer to home. While the Cameroonian communications minister continued to state he hadn't seen the video, many other people in the country, 
and elsewhere in Africa had. The engagement by the African audience was really fascinating. They, were, they really found it amazing, the techniques of investigation, and really engaged with it. And there was one comment of a guy on the Facebook publication. He said, that's amazing because uh, whatever African governments do, and uh, now they know that two people are watching God and the BBC, so which was really, really funny. Then you can replace the BBC by any media organization, by all the open source analysts behind it, by Amnesty. And it was just the rig of the fact that an organization is really going that far to verify the information and holding a government and soldiers to account. And yeah, they really appreciated the investigation, engaged with it in a way that we did not expect. It had been an incredible collaborative effort with the group sharing their findings, both within that Twitter DM group and more publicly as they went along. So often, a lot of journalism is, you know, not showing your workings, being really secretive, is not telling anyone what you're working on until you publish. But this you did in a, in a really open way. Do you think that was necessary in this? And, and why is collaboration important? It's really essential, the sort of being open about it. And actually, we were investigating in the course Twitter DM group, but we all publish on Twitter either our IDs of the location. We made a call to Twitter saying, can you help us find this location? So it was no secret that we were working on it. We didn't try to hide it. And because we, from the beginning, realized that this is going to be a difficult case and we need as many brains as possible to work on it in order to have different ideas. In journalism also, there's a lot of investigation that would benefit by being more collaborative. And that's happening in, in journalism. You see that trend towards more collaboration, which is really fantastic. But in the open source, if there is no collaboration, yeah, you're going to get nowhere. And it's really part of the idea of the community as well. Thanks to Aliam Leroy for telling us that story. I put a link to the BBC Africa video in the show notes. Do check it out. The Tip-Off is produced by me, Maeve McLennigan, with production support from Alice Milliken. Our theme music is by Dice Muse. If you're a fan of the show, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can tweet about us at Tip Off Podcast. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more stories behind the headlines. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.